You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about other podcasts and also about true crime, pop culture. And this week, we're getting cold. We'll look at the new investigative podcast from KSL, focusing on the Susan Powell case. Also, as the year comes to an end, we give our recommendations for some of the other things that you should watch, read, or listen to, some of which we did not discuss on this program. Joining me to get that done and a whole lot more is my real-life husband, true crime co-author, former TV journalist, and guy who has to do everything around our house right now, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. I am so tired. (laughs) I'm exhausted. Basically, you're just like me. Oh, shut up. Except you've only been doing it for one day. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. Hang in there, Kevin. (laughs) Also with us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed private investigator, and charity Christmas tree high bidder, Laura Bricker. Congratulations, Laura. Um, actually, I didn't win. <laughs> what? Oh, no. The way you hear this is so sad. So I was like the only bidder that the thing's supposed to end on Friday. I go into the why. I go, uh, did I win the tree? They said, yeah, because nobody else bid. We're extending it another week because oh. um, we need to make more money. <laughs> And I was like, screw this. I'm going to get a tree. I can't wait until Christmas Eve for a Christmas tree. That's so, right. Um, like one person bid after me. So they're going to have a totally dried up Christmas tree when they finally get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, also with us is our captain of woke cynicism, the author behind the noir novels known as a City Trilogy and our Patreon book club host, Toby Ball. Good evening, Toby. Good evening, Rebecca. Now, Toby, you just taped a Patreon book club podcast. It's being edited by our very handsome line producer, Henry Lavoie, and it should be out in the next week or so. What is that book club podcast about? We actually, we had an awesome discussion last night. It's about uh, Lost Girls by Robert Kolker, yes. uh, which is a really good book. And uh, I talked with Sarah D. Bunting and Alex Segura, and I hope people will check it out. I hope they will, too. I really love that book a lot. And so does Kevin, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's a great book. No, it is yeah, a super no, book. It's, it's, yeah, it's Bob really Bob Coker's a great writer. All right. Well, um, before we get into the show, Kevin, should we explain why it is that you have to do everything and why you were being abusive to me during the intro to the show? Telling, was me, to sh- telling me to shut up? Yeah, I feel like we oh. need a disclaimer there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I broke my leg, guys. I yeah. broke my leg slash ankle, whatever it is. It's technically your leg, but it's at the ankle part. So Your fibula. My fibula. I broke fibula? my fibula. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I broke it, did a bunch of ligament damage. I'm kind of messed up for a long time. So were you like walking your dogs when this happened? How did this occur? Uh, it occurred because I, on Wednesday morning, had didn't have to be to work until the afternoon because I had pitched Fun Drive the night before. And I got to, you know, kind of go in late. And um, I decided to, my dogs had a grooming appointment. I decided to walk them to the groomer, which is about a mile and a half from my house, drop them off. And then I thought, oh, you know, I have plenty of time. I have like two more hours. Instead of just taking the road home, I'm going to take the little trail system home in our town. It's a beautiful day. Um, it was really nice out. And um, I ended up taking the trail system across. I crossed a couple roads, did a few trails. I walked for about an hour and then crossed a road, went into a new trail, fell, rolled my ankle, and broke it. And so um, I had to be, I had, 
I call it Kevin they, at work. Did they bring out like the med flight or did they bring oh out like, the mountain search and rescue people? <laughs> I, I want a dramatic reenactment. Oh my goodness. Well, Rebecca, I get a phone call and it's like, Rebecca, I say, hey. And she says, I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh-oh. Uh, are you at the clinic? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, so uh, she tells me where she, you know, that she fell, and then she's on this trail, and I can't get up. I can't get up, and I'm like, "Where are you?" Okay, okay, I'm coming, and I get up to my desk, and I'm like, "What the fuck am I gonna do? <laughs> like, I'm gonna carry her out on my back, and my uh, wearing my dress shoes and my, my necktie." That would have been a good story. Yeah. So I say, "I'm gonna call." I said, "Have you called?" I called you back. I said, "Have you called nine one one yet?" And she said, "No, just this call the you know the local rescue squad. Squad. I'm like, literally, what's called the rescue squad. I'm gonna like dial nine. I'm gonna look up seven digits instead of calling nine one one. I said, are you just shut up, sit there? No, I didn't say that. And I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. So I called nine one one and you know told them where to find you. And so by the time I got to the woods, to the the trailhead. Fire was there. Police were there. Rescue squad. Rescue squad. They were all out the ambulance just waiting for- Searching for me in the woods. Yeah. I was very easy to find. Cadaver dogs? I was only- like a, Not yet. I, I had just crossed a road, so I was only a thousand feet in on this particular part of the trail. Um, and I was just lying there. And I made some phone calls. I called my job and told him I wasn't going to be in that day. I called Gabe uh, Roth at Slate to tell him I couldn't record the Slate <laughs> podcast that day. Why not? Like, I'm lying in the- I was like, well, I'm lying in the woods waiting for the ambulance to come and <laughs> carry me away to the hospital. So yeah, it sucks. Uh, I, did they did they bring you out on a gator? I got pulled out on like a sled uh, stretcher thing. Oh. Is that what a gator is? I don't know what a gator is. No, the gator's like that, like four wheel drive that oh. looks like a four wheeler, but it's like some, no. sometimes sometimes the fire. No, the, have there was just enough snow where she could just really just slide. They the pulled me just, out. Yeah, it was six very easy. Six men pulled me out. Yeah, wow. Put it her takes in the ambulance. Six men. It takes. Six. Were any of them handsome? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I knew two of them because it's a very small town. <laughs> it was like the, it was like our, our friend Chris, uh, we've known for years, uh-huh. and uh, my friend Megan's husband was another one of them. And then our rescue squad uh, EMT Opie, who I've seen around town quite a bit. His kids go to my kids' school, and uh, Opie, yeah, this is small town stuff, guys. Um, and yeah, they had to cut my boot off. The whole deal went to the hospital. Went to the orthopedist, and it could be a very long haul. Well, what is hope the not. what is the prognosis? Prognosis is I broke my leg at the ankle and did some uh, ligament damage. The orthopedist thinks it might, maybe heal in a cast, <laughs> so I have a cast. But I might need surgery, in which case it's going to like take like nine months to a so year. So <laughs> Rebecca has an appointment next week, a follow up appointment to take another X ray, and if everything is going the way it should. She can probably just wear the cast and then, you know, we'll see how many weeks that is. But if they don't like the way things are looking. Because I'm old. Then then there's something <laughs> else. So I guess next podcast we'll have a. We'll have an update. True a medical crime update. Uh, health update. I did take a break from the Vicodin to record this podcast, though, just so you know. Yeah. I do have one question. I, I have a concern here. Um, is this going to affect your ability to wear cowboy boots when we go to Pod X? That's yes. That's what I really need. Ugh. Yeah, I, I think it is, Lara, because even if I'm out of the cast by then, uh, chances are I'll be in a thing. And uh, the good news is I'll be able to use a wheelchair at the airport, which is always fun. For what? What is this? Pod X. The, the Pod conference X? we're going to be appearing at. at the, yes. We're going to be at Pod X? We're going to be, we were, we are going to be at Pod X in Nashville. Just you and me? And Laura and Toby. The four of us? The four of us. So people can come and meet us? It's going to be a fan conference. It's going to be really fun. It's taking place from May 31st to June 2nd in Nashville. 
And a lot of really cool people are there. A lot of people we know. Patrick Hines is going to be there. Uh, Rabia and the Undisclosed crew are going to be there. Mm-hmm. We're going to be there. Jason Moon from Bear Brook is going to be Ooh. there, the whole Bear Brook team, um, and a bunch of other much bigger names than us. Oh, the podcast celebrity <laughs> party is going to be off the chain. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. four of us, we're going to be our own entourage. We'll talk about that more right. as it gets closer. And uh, guys, there is a website, so you can go check it out if you're interested in going and to And there is a way where two of our listeners will be able to attend for free. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's cool. More on that later. That's cool. In the meantime, want to send me care packages. Um, <laughs> you Red just Cross. Feel free to do so. <laughs> One of our listeners told me sending me a case of wine. Just saying. Oh. Ah, of course, wow. I can't take it with all these drugs, but whatever. It's, uh, it's, I can drink it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, Kevin, can you please read this for me? Let's start the show, shall we? True, True Crime, Crime Podcast, Podcast. Update. Update. Curtis Flowers' lawyers have filed a new motion recently in his case. Of course, the Curtis Flowers case was the case featured in the excellent podcast. Many say the best of the year in the dark season two. Laura, can you fill us in on what's going on in this motion? Yeah, this is exciting because uh, Doug Evans, who's like the subject of much of my ire in my rage world. So Curtis Flowers attorneys also want to um, they want to speak to Doug Evans. So they're asking a judge to grant them a deposition with him. Specifically, they want to ask him about his interactions with Odell Cookie Hallman. Um, who is the now discredited jailhouse informant. Cookie crumbled. (laughs) Yeah, the cookie crumbled. He's the one that Madeline spoke with who talked about what he said and why he said it. And, you know, his testimony, you know, is credited with helping put Curtis Flowers on death row through the murders of four people in the Tardy Furniture Store. So Curtis's attorneys call the state's theory of the case, this is my favorite, a, quote, fantasy that the prosecution concocted and brought to life by manipulating witnesses. They also talked about reporting by In the Dark and the In the Dark team as evidence that Doug Evans has withheld information that could have been favorable to Flowers. And um, they're asking the judge to have Evans turn over any documents that he has not turned over before. Now, he, of course, is claiming that he's turned everything over. He's also declined to comment. But I am super excited for this because um, I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> How much would you pay fly to be the fly on the wall during that deposition, Laura Bricker? I might just go like fly down there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you don't have to pay anything. They got a videotape. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what happens. Toby, what would be the first question you would ask Doug Evans if he were compelled to talk to you under order of the court? Uh, not to put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> what would be my first question? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think sort of like a sort of general dude, what the fuck? Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. Why are you such a racist? Oh. The fuck, man? <laughs> All right. Well, moving on, let's get to our first review of the evening, shall we? Let's do it. We'll start with a new podcast about the 2009 Susan Powell case. Cold from KSL Radio explores Susan's disappearance and the subsequent murder-suicide of her husband and children. Spoiler alert, right? Although I guess it was 2009. I'll tell you right off top. That's true. Yeah. Using recovered computer files and other investigative documents, host Dave Cauley provides an in-their-own-words look at the Powell family. Josh is mean to me, but only because I was mean to him, and then he was mean back to me, so I was mean to him more. And now he's being mean to me again. But I still love him, even though he won't kiss me. The voice you're hearing now belongs to Susan. She recorded that while dating Josh way back at the start of 2001, when she was 19. he'll deserve and earn and actually get his Valentine's Day gift. 
Maybe. Cole tells the family's tragic tale with a mix of audio and video recordings, family interviews, and actor portrayals of the Powells themselves. Now, we are going to be talking about plot points for Cold, so if you want to remain spoiler-free, jump to the time code listed in the show notes for our thumbs-up or thumbs-down review. Now, this podcast starts kind of in an interesting place. You know, whether or not you think you know about Josh Powell and the Susan Powell case, the court records and documents that the podcast uh, producers have obtained really dig up a lot more background on Josh, on his family, on sort of a lot of the backstory here. Now, the story starts with Josh and his father, Stephen Powell, uh, when Josh was a child and his growing up. Stephen, of course, becomes a character in the story again later in the course of the crime. But there's this idea, Kevin, of this like multi-generational pattern of manipulation, narcissism, cruelty. Do you think that Josh Powell inherited this from his dad or learned oh. it from him? Or do you think he's just super fucked up? What's your opinion on I that? Can the answer be both? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, he uh, obviously grew up in a weird household. You know, what is this with the kidnapping game? Yeah. Uh, I didn't even really get that. His parents' divorce was traumatic, and they would pretend that they were kidnapping the kids or something. It was very strange. Yeah, uh, there's that. And I would just say that it it seems like, you know, from the portrait of Josh that we get through the first, at least the first two episodes, that, uh, you know, whether or not his dad had anything to do with it is probably beside the point. He is a weird dude. Mm. And, you know, that comes out. It does. We also hear an interview with uh, his old girlfriend, Catherine, who I guess has never spoken publicly about this before, a uh, pre-Susan Powell girlfriend. And Josh, man, sounds like an awesome boyfriend. Um, <laughs> he even stole her college money. Yeah. Toby, what did you think of this this backstory, you know, hearing about this guy? We're, we're going to talk about some issues with the podcast in a minute, so I'll give you a chance to, to discuss those. But I'm just curious to know your take on just what we heard about Josh Powell's upbringing and the stories that we heard from Catherine. Um, do you think that this kind of thing can be inherited or do you think that Josh is just inherently fucked up? So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like genetically inherited, but I think definitely the nurture aspect of things. Like, like everything you hear about his dad, like every single new fact you hear about him makes his dad seem more and more fucked up. It's not surprising that that would have an influence on Josh. Mm. I think he also, uh, and maybe this is what you're actually asking, I, I think he's got some other personality disorders that may just be part of his package. But the way he was raised definitely exacerbated whatever he had. Like it's pretty clear that he... You know, he's probably mentally ill. He certainly does not deal with people the way most people do. Yeah. Uh, Laura, one of the things that Josh does is this habit that apparently he's been doing for a long time where he tapes himself in these audio journals. I think that she is incredibly beautiful. And a lot of that is because of the way she treats me, the way she takes care of me and my house. She comes in here, and she is the one person that I can feel comfortable with in my house. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what is your reaction to hearing his voice, and how much does he make you feel the way that Ken Kratz makes you feel <laughs> when you listen to tapes of Ken Kratz talking? It, it's actually worse than Ken Kratz because when I was first listening to it, I didn't even think these were real recordings. And I'm like, wait, 
this is actually him? I mean, like, who, first of all, records themselves like this? I, I mean, I can't. Uh, do, do you guys know anyone who just makes these bizarro little creepy audio recordings? And then just the whiny sort of sniveling nature of his voice. I was driving when I was listening to this and I was just like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> as I was like driving down the road because he was just... He was just so obnoxious, just listening to how he was um, when he was like, and, you know, I was dating this other girl, but I didn't really find it very ladylike when she was drinking alcohol and dancing or whatever the hell. I was just like, oh, my God. I it just but just the whole like his delivery. I wanted to smack him. I, I don't know. Did anyone else have that reaction or have I really just embraced the rage too much? No. He's pretty creepy and gross. Yeah. I mean, there's something to me that's really creepily narcissistic about the person who believes that they are important enough that everything they're doing needs to be recorded for posterity. You mean like us and our podcast? No, I mean like if you made me scan and transcribe all of your handwritten <laughs> post-it <laughs> notes because they're so important that they yeah. need to be like kept for all posterity. Yeah. But this was by Thomas Jefferson did that. Yeah. But he had a reason to. Because <laughs> he was a founding father. Yeah. People yeah. would actually like read his stuff later. I'm better than most of the people I know. Not conceited. It's just a fact. That's mm. one of the things he said, for real. Yeah. I mean, he also had the whole thing. We heard a lot of his contemporaneous recordings after he met Susan. After he did all the sister jumping between sister to sister to sister <laughs> to sister. And then he met Susan. Yeah. And he's like, I love resting with her sweet body next to mine. I love the way it feels. She is soft, but she's not fat. Her body is soft in the right spots and more toned and hard in the right spots. She's soft just, in all the right places. Uh, and oh, muscular. And oh, yes. Yeah. We met when she was 12. Oh, yeah. God. But God. as disgusting as it was to listen to this and as like rage inducing for me, I think it really brought a lot to the story because, I mean, we've all seen this. Like, this was something that was uh, in the news a lot when it happened. Um, and I had seen this sort of superficial look, but to actually hear it on this level in his own words really gave a different insight into just how fucked up these people were. I'd never heard of this. Oh, really? You never oh, heard of God. this case? It was all over like the nightly news and stuff. This is the first time I've ever heard of it. It was happening while you were on the jury for that timber taking <laughs> trial. That's probably, yeah. yeah. I was consumed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a lot of tape in this, and this actually plays to the podcast's benefit that, you know, rarely in these cases. <laughs> I thought you were going to say strengths for a second. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's got so, some good things. It's got some weaknesses. But this is something, you, rarely in a case do you get so much material from the victim and the perpetrator. And, like, the v video recording of the dad coming on to the Sexually assaulting her? Uh, I just had was probably the most erotic experience I've had in my entire life. Why is he taping Ugh. in the car when he's like professing his love? I mean, that's just weird. But it it's like well, it was it's the amazing camcorder. He was going to videotape it until his, he forgot that he turned it on or something. Yeah, Dad it's, was a piece of work. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about just the production of this podcast because first of all, I have a quick question for you. Would anybody on this panel be surprised to hear that KSL is a media outlet, radio and television media outlet, 
owned and managed by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hmm. Anyone surprised to hear that for listening to the podcast? Yes, I am. What about you, Toby? I'm surprised that it's professional, you know, audio producers are involved, but I'm not surprised that the Mormon Church is involved. Mm. I mean, to me, I did hear there's a lot of themes about religion in the story. They sort of talk about Josh going in and out of the church. And they do seem to lean on, like, when he's in the church, he's better. And when he's out of the church, things go wrong for him. They they really, and and they don't seem to question that in a way that it it seems discordant with some of the other transparency of the Mm -hmm. podcast. Did you pick up on that, Toby? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole thing. Like, his creepy dad, like, left the church Mm. and was sort of openly antagonistic to the church. Part of the way they build up, you know, sympathy for Susan is that she's trying to maintain her religious beliefs in the face of his, you know, hostility towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to tithe part of her salary. She wants to go to church. Yeah. He doesn't want to go. So it's almost, I mean, it's not totally like a martyrdom story, but they do. Ha- there is that aspect of like a religious person under persecution from, you know, somebody who's strayed. Yeah, I heard that too. And I was just curious to know if anyone else did. Yeah. I So when I found out, I mean, I sort of was digging around the website looking for some of the documents and stuff that they talked about being there. And I was like, Kayla, like, I've never heard of this place. Like, what is this a public grade? No. Like, what is this? And I just, I was like, oh, it all kind of clicked for me mm-hmm. at that point. Well, I, I do want to talk about the production style of this podcast because it's a little different. There is an issue, I think, with the tightness of the tape and the narration that sounds almost like, a, I was telling you the other night, Kevin, uh, like a news spot to me. Like when yeah. there's interview tape or any tape, like he talks over the front of it and then comes out of it so quickly that you can't even kind of like process. I'm just going to play a clip of that as an example. You know, no matter how much I tried to persuade him to be like, just let me go. You know, I'm going to come back. He was like, no. In March of 1999, Catherine decided to take a trip home to Utah to visit a friend. Josh's school schedule prevented him from joining. It was when I got away, you know, from him, and I didn't realize how much... Kevin, what do you think of the production style of this podcast? Not just that tape issue, but sort of the way that it is written, presented, and all that stuff. Well, I mean, I think I have other observations about that. I mean, uh, yeah, that is sort of a very commercial news radio kind of style. I don't necessarily think that's bad. It's different from the podcast style, which sort of is a descendant of public radio, which is a little more stretched out. You know, the upside is they do have an awful lot of tape, but there's, I think that there is, and there is so much detail, there is so much to it that it's almost too much. I think, you know, what they have here is the makings of a great true crime book. Because the yes. detail level is there, and you know, we went through thousands of files. So Dave spent a lot of time nurturing the material and his research. And like many authors, and uh, you know, me included, he has fallen in love with the research, and everything has to be in there. It could be a much tighter story, and it could be, you know, you don't have to talk about every job the cop that they took ever had. Well, yeah, the cop that was <laughs> that was too long. But the, you know, the, the thing but with their family. But it sounded like a true crime book. It did, yeah. Like you could read that, and it would be good. But like you keep talking about, like, well, then she got this job, and she started making this. I don't know. Josh found a part-time job doing web development for a trucking company called Aspen Logistics. Though he had no formal training in the field, he had taught himself enough to do the work. He dabbled in web design in his free time as well, even forming a company, Polished Marketing, LLC. 
they got a you know a carpet that was uh, shag, and there was a or, you, know, it, you know it just was like so much that it really could have been summarized. You don't need to have five hour long episodes. Again, you, you could have five really great forty minute episodes. So I think it just had like way too much of that. And lastly, you know, as far as Dave as a um, a reader, you know, there's some things about it just like seemed. If I were going to give notes ahead of time, I would write this down and say, do this. And then I think about it and it says, well, he did this. I'm like, yeah, that didn't work. You know, trying to sound natural mm. sometimes. Like, oh, no, she definitely didn't want that. I can't remember how many times we did that, but I'm just like, this is insane. Like, you know, in effect, Josh made Catherine a prisoner. Yet she kept telling herself she was happy. She was lying to herself. Yeah, it, it's it's very um, jarring, and when they do use music, it seems to be like little clips in like very weird places. Like, well, like all of a sudden there's some drama. Steve worked his magic. He told Josh the insanity had started with Susan. He said she had led him on. I mean, he was only reacting to her provocations. He would do well to study a little more of Ira Glass's This American Life on how to pace and how to break things up with a little bit of music instead of it just being almost an hour-long read. And we also could talk about whether or not it makes sense to have actors reading things as characters when you also have the real people, their voices too, particularly the first episode where I was like, I couldn't tell, like, is this really the sister? Is this? I got lost into who's real and who's an actor really quickly. So I think it just has, it has too much. Yeah. What do you think, Toby? I know you also have thoughts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think Kevin summarized it pretty well as as far as I'm concerned. Uh, It just seemed kind of relentless, you know, it's like, it's an hour and there's just, there's no pause, you know, as a matter of fact, it's not even like a natural, like pause for a breath in between people talking. Mm. As Kevin was saying, you know, it's cut more like, I don't know, was it pre-NPR or non-NPR stuff? And I think that's fine when it's like a two-minute piece or a three-minute piece that you're trying to like jam it in. But when it's an hour of that, it's just like, man, you know, there, there's you just don't have a chance to like take anything in. It's just one thing after another after another. But I also, I don't want to be, the stuff they have in there, like some of the stuff is, is, is pretty, they've got some pretty amazing footage, I think. And the research that went into it, I, you know, is is impressive, but it just requires like such consistent attention. Mm. <laughs> it just seemed kind of tiring. Mm. Now, yeah. Laura, there was a lot in every one of these episodes. Each one of these episodes, yeah. I kept thinking like could have been broken up into three different episodes. Like each yeah, one. it was it was dense. So what did you think? Were you able to listen to the podcast? Were you able to get into it? Like what were your feelings while you were listening to it? Well, I listened to it, but I was listening to it. Like I wasn't listening to one hour all at once because I just I didn't have that amount of time to like. So I was listening to it as I was driving, as I was waiting for my son outside his music lesson, as I was doing errands, um, as I was like cleaning the house. But I was, I was listening and I was listening to the writing style and I was listening to the amount of information and the amount of access he had. I'm thinking, this sounds like a true crime book. Mm. I, I'm not sure why it's a podcast. I felt like maybe this was the wrong medium for it. Of course, there's already been a, a true crime book about this case. So I don't know. You know, I haven't read that book. I don't know if it had this level of detail. But I just felt like the level of detail and the level of information was just so overwhelming that you didn't really have time to take it all in because it was just 
it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but the thing that was unfortunate about that is there was a lot of good information and there was a lot of really interesting information. But the way that it was told in these huge hour-long blocks, I don't know if that was the best delivery of the information. Yeah, all the important stuff got the same attention as all the non-important stuff. Exactly. And so it was hard to kind of get some context on like what was really important to the case and to the overall story. Right. There was also such a linear telling of this story you know I think some of the most interesting tape in the whole podcast is Susan Powell herself walking through her house making an inventory of her possessions Mm -hmm. because she believes something bad is going to happen to her so she's literally like writing a will and taking a video inventory of her possessions and we hear her voice Uh, this is me July 29th 2008 it is 1233 mountain time um Covering all my bases, making sure that if something happens to me or my family or all of us that our assets are documented. Hope everything works out and we're all happy and live happily ever after as much as that's possible. That is buried like near the end of an episode, like episode three. It's like an hour long. And I'm like, why wasn't that the sound we hear right at the beginning of the podcast? Like, let us hear this victim. Let us, you know, connect with her as a real person. That's sort of like, you know, starting in the action and then going back. Because starting at the beginning, there was a lot and everything got that treatment. That's exactly right. And the cop story, to me, was the most glaring example because Dave finally has this really interesting character that's interviewing and talking to that is great on radio. This guy's a good talker. He's interesting. He was the investigating officer. But then we have to hear about all of his attempts to apply to this police department. Like he applied to this yeah. police. We, and we heard about every single one of them and why and why he was going to try again yeah. and why he didn't try again. I was listening to that part of the podcast while I was waiting in the waiting room of my eye doctor. And I was like, I'm not <laughs> sure which one of these two activities is more boring. Waiting in the waiting room of the eye doctor. <laughs> Or listening to all this cop's attempts to get this stupid job, which we know he got because we already heard he was the investigating officer of this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> if it was a book, you'd just skim through that part. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you can't do it. Exactly. Exactly. It reminds me of all the research you did about, you know, Sheila LaBar and what songs the DJ was playing when she was in the bar waiting to meet her first victim and how the editor was like, yeah, nobody cares, Kevin. <laughs> nobody cares. You didn't say that. It was very good. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I, th- I thought I was pretty proud of the fact that I knew she had like, a Southern Comfort Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would have been. That's just how Dave Crawley feels when yeah. he learns about all the jobs the cop tried to get. I think my favorite line of the whole podcast was it was the which was the one where they were finally interviewing him was that four or five anyway where he's like well I've changed my mind I've talked to my lawyers and they go who are your lawyers and it was like one eight hundred prepaid legal or something <laughs> <laughs> I know okay, I know Josh. and this is what the problem with this show is that this case is a sad and horrible horrible case. And we're laughing at these details because the way it was put together was just so clinical, like boom, 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 boom. Like you're not set up to feel anything because you've just been exercising your ears listening, you know? I don't know. I'm (laughs) laughing at that detail because it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. There was like a line in the first episode where they're talking about relaying some uh, some incident when he was uh, Josh was young and he's talking about something happens in the kitchen. And he said, yeah, he clenched his fist. And I'm like, how do you know he clenched his fist? Yeah. I started thinking, how much uh, creative license is he taking here with this stuff in order to make it 
sound more dramatic. And well, I, I just think it, it, it fits more like for a book. We know he's taking some because he says things like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> oh, mm, mm, no, Susan was very, very upset. upset. And he says things like, <laughs> he completely failed to understand she thought he was a weirdo. weirdo. He makes these strange asides that make you realize that there is some, it's not an accusation, it's just that he is taking some license. He's not just, you know, playing the Seems team. Seems that way, yeah. yeah. it does. Well, um, I would love to hear if anybody has anything positive to say about cold after all that stuff. Kevin, what do you like about the podcast? Well, I, th- I think the amount of research is very good. I think that the, you know, the, the story itself is interesting and that just for a podcast, a lot of this isn't clicking, but I think... Again, for a book, I think we could agree this would be a really, the way he has it, this would be a really interesting true crime book because it has so much detail and it can tell us, you know, a very in-depth story about, you know, this family that, that nobody's heard, hmm. you know, because you did put the, the effort into going through thousands of files to find out all these little things. Yeah. And that works well in a book. It, it, it doesn't work so well when you're, you know, listening through earbuds waiting for your eye doctor. Laura, why don't we just do what we do? I mean, I I think it's, you know, we didn't get too much into like the episode by episode detail of the podcast, but I'm not sure we need to because I think that just saying there's a lot is probably what people actually do need to know (laughs) about this podcast. So why don't you go ahead and give it your thumbs up or thumbs down review, Laura, and and tell me why you are giving it that review. What do you think? You know, I'm going to go thumbs up um, because I do think it's a really interesting story. There's a lot of really good information. There's a lot of, I mean, even though they're like infuriating and rage inducing to listen to, there's a lot of really interesting audio of Josh, of the other people involved in the case. I would just say, do what I did and break it up. Don't listen to each episode all at once. Break them up into like two blocks per episode. Then you'll be able to digest the information because it's just a lot of information to listen to at once. But there is a lot of really interesting info. I mean, it's it's just uh, a crazy, bizarre case. And we haven't even gotten through the whole story yet. So I know there's a lot more interesting information to come. What about you, Toby? Thumbs up or thumbs down for cold? And then if you could explain why, that would be really great. I'll do my best. I think for me, like one of the big questions is why? It seems like the really good podcasts that we've listened to, it's always shedding a light on something that's bigger than just the case. This seems to be just like, are you interested in learning about this family and how messed up they were and what a tragic end they came to? Mm. You know, as far as like looking for some larger meaning to it, it just didn't seem like it was there. So I think in that way, you know, I just kind of felt a little voyeuristic. Mm. You know, how am I supposed to be reacting to this? What is this supposed to be making me think about? And it really just comes down to this freaking awful, you know, Josh and, you know, his dad and, and that side of this family. You know, this guy has obviously done a ton of research. There's just so much audio and stuff that there's some value to that. Overall, I I guess I would give it a thumbs down. And again, I just, it feels voyeuristic to me. Like, I I just don't, I don't see what the the larger point to listening to it is. Yeah. Well, I almost gave this a thumb sideways until I listened to the uh, episode with the cop 
even though there were some of the strongest material in that episode, the way that it was done just so highlighted everything I hated about the podcast that my thumb sideways turned into a flat thumbs down. There are just a lot of problems. And it's not me being like a, is this produced well enough? Is it important? My question is, why is this important? Kind of along the lines of what you said, Toby, there's no central question here. The central question isn't, how did this happen? Or what can we do to prevent this kind of thing in the future? Or what ramifications does this case have on like society at large? Or where did the criminal justice system fail? It really is just what happened. That's all that it is. And Kevin, when you say it would make a great true crime book, I think it would make a super shitty true crime book. because It's literally just that. It's just here's what happened. There's nothing more there. I mean, it's the opposite of Bob Kolker's Lost Girls, which is about something a lot more. And I'm not saying the story isn't interesting and important. I just think the way that it's being told without a central question, aside from all the other problems we've talked about, does it a huge disservice. So I'm giving it a thumbs down. What about you, Kevin? I can't give it a thumbs down because I admire the journalism too much. So much time went into it, pulls out a lot of stuff, things that people hadn't heard before. It is not a perfect podcast, and I think we've talked about it, and it's hard to listen to. So I would just say, like, I think it's okay for you to listen to if you understand what we've been telling you. On 1.5 speed, though, right? That's how you listen to it? Yeah, 1.5 speed is pretty good. (laughs) You get through it a lot faster. (laughs) Stuff comes at you way faster, though. You've got to pay attention. (laughs) But I think we've all done a good job of sort of explaining what this is when you're getting into it. If you think that you still would want to listen to this and you think you'd still be intrigued by it, then go ahead. But you might be turned off because it is, as Toby said, relentless. But I am ultimately going to say thumbs up. Hmm. And if you don't want to be left out in the cold, you want to get your subscription to Le Tote. Yes, you do. One of the most challenging aspects of shopping online is you have to like buy something without ever trying it on. That's right. Right. So that's why like 40 to 70 percent of women's clothes that are bought online go back. Really? Yeah. So you won't have to do that with Le Tote because they have created, first of all, their own universal sizing system to ensure that the clothes you get, they fit across different brands. That's right. So they'll fit you. And they take your measurements and ratings so they learn not just your size, but they sort of, you know, what kind of clothes you like. Your your personal stylist know what you like and they will send you measured pieces from different brands and fit with seamstress teams and match your specific sizing. So you always get the right styles. And uh, when you're done, you just take those clothes and you send them back. Don't even need to wash them. Don't even need to wash them. Put them in the bag, send them back. They'll send you your next tote. Unless, of course, you really like it, and then you can purchase it. Rebecca, I know that Latote has saved you many times. It has. I got to tell you, there's nothing like opening that Latote when you've already asked yourself, like, what the heck am I going to wear tomorrow? Open Latote. Boom. Here's what I'm going to wear tomorrow. I love it. I've worn Latote stuff to weddings. I've worn it to meetings. I've worn it to give presentations. And then I've kept some of the items and purchased them because I really, really like the Latotes. With Latote, you can rent unlimited fashion. Just wear, return, and discover fashion that fits you better. It'll take the stress out of getting dressed. Go to latote.com. That's L-E-T-O-T-E.com to get started. And enter promo code C-W-O at checkout to get 20% off your first month. Again, that's latote.com. Enter the code C-W-O. What else do you have, Kevin? Well, with the holidays coming and the weather getting colder and people staying indoors, what is not better than curling up on the couch with a glass of wine? 
Uh, I can't think of anything better than that, frankly. Uh, having a fire with your glass of wine. That's right. Having a fire with your glass of wine. Yes. That would be great. But what wine do you want? Hmm. Do you want to go get the same thing that you always have? Do you want to branch out a little bit? I want to branch out with First Leaf. First Leaf? Yes. How did you know I was talking about First Leaf? Uh, good guess. First Leaf has created a club experience customized to you. By rating the wines that you receive, First Leaf determines your likes and your dislikes and then sends you wine that you will love. Get started with First Leaf by answering three quick questions about your wine drinking preferences. For Rebecca, that's yes. Yes. Yes and yes. Yes, those are my preferences. <laughs> First Leaf then creates an introductory three-pack of wines just for you. So when your bottle arrives, you taste it, and then you rate them online, and First Leaf takes those ratings, and they select new wines based on what you like and tailors that to your next shipment. So it's like this algorithm that you're in charge of. You like this wine, and you know you like this one, but not so much. This was too bold. Don't want that one. Boom, they're able to like just start putting it together and seeing really what your flavor palette is mm. for different wines. Red, white, everything in between. Red. Red? Red. You're definitely a red? I'm a red girl. You know that girl. So sign up with our link and you'll get an exclusive introductory offer. It's three bottles of wine for only $15, plus you get free shipping. And that's not all. If you then rate these three wines, you're going to get an extra $10 off your next box. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash crime. Crime. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash crime. Crime. Today. Today. Do it. Tryfirstleaf.com slash crime. Crime. All right. Well, I want to do a thing that we sometimes do about this time of year. I believe we've done it every year around this time of year, if I'm not uh, wrong. And that is give everyone on the panel a chance to recommend some of the things that they've been reading, listening to, watching, that perhaps our audience can check out as we uh, get to the end of the year and perhaps give as gifts, perhaps listen to, perhaps check out, and then also give you guys a chance to talk about what you think was the best podcast or podcast that you listened to this year. You guys want to do that? Yeah. Are you down? I'm in. All right. So I reached out to all of you, and I asked you each to choose audiobooks, books, TV shows, films, whatever you wanted to talk about, and we're going to do a little round-robin situation. So, Kevin, the first pick that you sent on your list was a little film that we saw in the independent theater earlier this year. Would you like to tell our audience what that is? I strongly recommend... You seen Won't You Be My Neighbor, mm. which is the documentary about Mr. Rogers. Hello. I've always felt that I didn't need to put on a funny hat or jump through the hoop to have a relationship with a child. He was always trying to get a message across in every show. A week on death. What does assassination mean? On divorce. Some people get married and after a while they're so unhappy that they don't want to be married anymore. He was radical. I know everyone says that, but he was radical. They didn't want black people to come and swim in their swimming pools. My being on the program was a statement for Fred. We went to it and cried. And cried. Twice. <laughs> three times. Four times. Cried like little bitches. <laughs> Honest to God, we had to wait till everybody left the theater. It's true. Before we got up. And cried not because it's sad, but because it is sweet mm. in a way that is nothing like this is sweet. And of course, if you're like us and you grew up in this area, you grew up watching Mr. Rogers, it just touches your heart so much. Gives you the feels. Uh, gives you the feels. I know that Tom Hanks is doing a biopic about Mr. Rogers, and no offense to Tom Hanks, I don't see how it could be better than this movie. So uh, I'd say find out where it is, get in your car, 
drive 100 miles to that art house theater to watch it, or I think it's going to be available streaming or on demand very soon. So that's definitely what you want to watch. Watch Won't You Be My Neighbor. All right, Toby, I'm going to come to you. What is the first pick from your list that you would like our listeners to know about? I assembled my list in no real order, but since number one is... uh, I don't think I've recommended this before, is a, uh, a sh- very short book. It's almost a novella called Fever Dream by Samantha Schweblin. It's the creepiest book I've ever read, probably by far. Hmm. And it's about 90 pages. There's no gore. There's no violence. But just from like, like even like the first like two sentences, it just starts off creepy and it just continues being creepy so if you're if you're in the mood for that and you know if you're freaked out by like most horror books because you don't like the you know graphic violence or whatever this has got none of that right it's all in the atmosphere it's all creep is what you're saying yes all right Laura Bricker uh, what is your first pick for recommendations from 2018 that you would like our audience to check out well this is great because we're coming up on you know we're gonna have some time off hopefully around Christmas around the holidays. A great new thing to binge. Season two of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is out now. This is on Amazon Prime. It is the funniest, smartest show I have watched in a long time. You're not late so often. No. Just getting around. I mean, not getting around. Marry somebody and everything will be fine. Do you think you can go back to making jello molds? Oh, I don't know. I make a hell of a jello mold. We got a girl comic coming up. Don't get too excited, fellas. She keeps her clothes on. This is based in the late 1950s in New York City. Um, The main character, Midge Maisel, ends up leaving her husband. She's been living her perfect New York Upper West Side Jewish lifestyle with her father, her two kids, um, her parents, her father. They live downstairs in the same building. And she's been doing everything she's supposed to do until she ends up leaving her husband and ends up finding out that she has a real talent for stand-up comedy. And it is just freaking hysterical, just pure entertainment. And it's from um, the people that created the Gilmore Girls, Mm -hmm. um, which I often reference because I call my town Stars Hollow. So there's just another whole connection. But, um, you know, season two, I've only made it through the first two episodes. But it's just, it's fun. It's it's good watching and something to do when you're off for the holidays. Laura, you bitch, you took my pick. Ah, (laughs) do you like it too, Kevin? Yeah, I do. He likes it more than I do. He loves it. Mm, Yeah. He loves it. I love it. She's so funny. (laughs) Now, Laura, I think my little town is going to compete for the Star's Hollow Crown since I got carried out of the woods on a sled by the rescue squad, (laughs) the leader of which was named Opie. Don't you think I win the Star's Hollow Prize? But do you have a holiday trolley in your town? (laughs) We do not have a holiday trolley. (laughs) I could be on the holiday trolley right now, but I'm here. Well, my first pick is a book, and this is a something that our audience may not know about me, but Kevin surely does, is I actually don't listen to nearly so many podcasts as I do audiobooks. It's pretty much my constant listening companion. If you guys knew how much money I spent in extra credits on freaking audible.com slash crime, you would die. You would absolutely die because I cannot get enough of audiobooks. And when I find an author I love... I get super excited, and my favorite book that I have listened to this year is a mystery called The Word is Murder by Anthony Horowitz. His hands were clasped together in a gesture of profound regret. His face was crumpled, mournful, not helped by hair that had thinned to the edge of baldness and a beard that had the look of a failed experiment. 
Anthony Horowitz is a very prolific writer. He wrote a television series called Foil's War. He writes all sorts of uh, novels and books for kids. He writes uh, James Bond novels. He's written all sorts of uh, stuff for movies and television. The Word is Murder, however, is um, his second standalone mystery novel. The first one I believe I've also recommended many times called um, The Magpie Murders. And it is a very meta book in which Anthony Horowitz writes himself in as a character in the book. He is in it autobiographically as the Dr. Watson to his protagonist, Sherlock Holmes, who was an ex-cop who's a very complicated detective figure. Pretty meta. It is so brilliant and so well done. And I, when it was over, I was so, so sad. And I say that about books pretty rarely. Usually after a series is over, I'm sad. But this one standalone book was so wonderful. I can't recommend it highly enough. That's The Word is Murder. By Anthony Horowitz. I'll second that. Oh, you liked it, Toby. Yeah, on your recommendation, I listened to oh, it. Yeah, it's I'm really good. I'm so glad that you liked it. All right, Kevin, what else you got for us? Uh, since Laura stole my last pick, <laughs> I'm moving down my list. Hey, I really like the TV show on the WB, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, we do love that show. This is the final season, uh, and the seasons aren't long. I think they're like 12 or 13 episodes. If you haven't been watching, go right back from the beginning This is an hour-long comedy-slash-musical show. It is very funny and smart. The premise is a girl named Rebecca Bunch is the overachieving New York lawyer, but she's just never been happy because she never stopped loving her summer camp boyfriend, Josh Chan. Josh Chan. (laughs) Bumps into him in, in Manhattan one day and finds out he's living in West Covina, California. So she decides to drop everything and move to West Covina to be with him. West Covina, California. The characters are really funny and the, the, the songs are just so, so great. My favorite parts are, I'm just waiting for the songs because the songs are, I, I don't know, do you have a favorite song, Rebecca? It's like, I love my daughter, but not in a creepy way. Yeah, it's a good one. Daddy's little girl, princess of my world I never knew a beauty like this before So clever and cute, an angel with an attitude I want her all mine all of the time I know songs like this can come off weird But there's nothing weird about helping daddy trim Dads do that. Cause I love my daughter, but not in a creepy way. No, I realize father daughter love comes off that way. I just love my daughter. But again, not uh, there's one <laughs> b- about uh, the first penis I ever saw. That's right. That's a really good one, too. Uh, the uh, oh, My favorite all time, though, is the uh, Jap rap battle. Yes. Oh, what? A Jewish American princess. Rap battle. Daughters of princess. Too bad, yo, oh, snap, it's a Jap battle rap. Look, academically, you could never catch... I just need to correct you in terms of your uh, timing, Kevin, it's your age. There's no such thing as a network called the WB, whatever it is. It is now the CW. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Toby, what's the next pick on your list? I've got another book. It's called The Wake by Paul Kingsnorth. Uh, That was given to me by a, a friend... It's a pretty unique book. It's about an Englishman in the years 1065 and 1066 
when the Normans invaded. Mm. And it's written in this sort of old English that I guess this author like kind of came up with. So it takes about 15, 20 pages to kind of get used to it. And there's like a glossary and stuff. But then once you start, once you get the hang of it, it goes, you know, you can really read through it. And it just feels really authentic. Mm. I mean, it, it feels like you're reading something that was written in that era. And then when you pick up like some other fantasy book or whatever that's written in somewhat stylized like modern English, it just seems kind of lame compared yeah. to this. Mm. Super clever. If you pick it up and you read the first two or three pages, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to get just like trust me and hang in there because it's it's totally worth it. Really, really interesting and the writing is is phenomenal. Laura, you have a very intriguing pick on your list. I do. I'm not going to prompt you, but I, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I got to know about this thing. So I know you're talking about Wild Thing, the Bigfoot podcast. Yes, I am. <laughs> do you feel compelled to still make the case for the existence of Bigfoot? Well, I'm satisfied that this Bigfoot thing exists. That's right. Bigfoot. I'll tell you how this came about. So we go on car rides. Um, sometimes in the morning on the way to school, I find myself scrambling to listen to something that we're reviewing and I were listening, I'm, you know, and it's crime related. And I'm like, oh, this is probably not appropriate for my 12 year old to be listening to when um, he's like, mom, what's probation? So I was like, let's find something the whole family <laughs> can enjoy on our car rides. And a few years ago, my son was obsessed with Bigfoot. At one point, that show Finding Bigfoot was filming somewhere in New Hampshire. Yep. We tried to get tickets, didn't get them. So I see this podcast called Wild Thing, and it says, a new podcast about our collective fascination with Bigfoot. <laughs> collective. Um, <laughs> I'm fascinated even more now because I've heard about the Bigfoot nests. Okay. Ah, okay. So this is, the narrator is a woman, Laura Krantz, and she's a public radio editor and producer. And she ends up doing this podcast because she finds out this relative of hers, like great uncle Grover or something, was like the preeminent Bigfoot um, scientist person until and and she's like oh my god so she has this connection sounds like to toby would love this i've listened to some of it really so she's got this connection yeah. to the bigfoot world there is something about this fascination of is it real or is it not real and she really gets into that when she's talking to people that are believers and non-believers we listened to a little bit of it in the car today and i was like hey um they're going to have a special bonus episode with the guy who's the half of that famous film from 1967, the Ooh, Patterson-Gimlin film. Yes. And so Bob Gimlin, you know, the famous half of that is is interviewed. And my son's like, yeah, it's already fake. It's been proven. I'm like, don't be so sure about that. Huh. So it's just interesting. And it's something that if you're going on a car ride over the holidays with your family and you don't want to like traumatize your kids for the rest of your life listening to a crime podcast... Um, you can traumatize them, listen to Bigfoot, and they right. won't sleep at night. But it's it's really interesting. They have found hobbits. Uh, this is what I heard today. They have found little what? hobbit skeletons. I, I swear to God, Toby, uh. hobbits are real. So um, listen to the podcast, and you can learn all about it. Wild Thing, the podcast about Bigfoot. I may skip my audiobook listening and switch over. <laughs> you sold me, Laura Bricker. Uh, my next pick. Oh, what, what should I pick for my list? What should I pick? I'm going to go with a series of books that I discovered fairly recently by a very unsuccessful author named Robert Galbraith. 
who is actually very successful author J.K. Rowling. <laughs> um, I like their books. Yes, yes. Robert Galbraith is the uh, pen name of J.K. Rowling. She wrote a series of mysteries, the C.B. Strike procedural mysteries. Cormoran Strike is the detective in those books. His spunky partner, Robin. It is a really, really fun thing to read or listen to. These books are beautifully written. I never read the Harry Potter books, but I know a lot of people love them. And I will tell you, I don't know if the writing translates, but uh, J.K. Rowling's writing as Robert Galbraith is really excellent mystery writing. So I really enjoy them. I'm on book three, and I can't recommend them enough. That's the Robert Galbraith's CB Strike series, uh, which is actually by a little-known author J.K. Rowling. It's much better than the casual vacancy that made me want to like oh kill my myself God. after I read it. I was so, so depressing. <laughs> it was like the worst thing I ever. So I was like, oh. So uh, I like those ones. So I. That's I exactly what a Hufflepuff would say. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what's next on your list? Uh, there's a podcast that I, I that I really liked. It's called Bagman, and it's from MSNBC. The host is Rachel Maddow. What you're about to hear. I think is one of the most surreal clips I've maybe ever heard when it comes to American politics. This is a TV interview with a vice president. And what he's about to allege here is that the president of the United States, who he served with, was threatening to have him murdered. And if you like Slow Burn, I think you should try to maybe listen in on this. It takes a look back at the controversy around Vice President Spiro Agnew and how he was forced from office in very much this kind of slow burn style. Although, unlike with what uh, Leon Nafok does, they sort of don't tell like different stories about different people surrounding the controversy. It's really a much more linear description of this bit of history that is sort of overlooked because Watergate was happening at the same time. It's hard to imagine that we had a vice president who was taking bribes inside the White House. Mm. And that is so astonishing that you would think that that would be something that we would all remember. But a lot of us don't, uh, only because, you know, the Watergate era is about Watergate. Uh, so I think that Rachel Maddow does – she already – if you watch her show, she has a unique storytelling style. And when you just listen to her doing a podcast, you realize, oh, that's what her style is. It's very much like a podcast. So she slips right into this role very well. And I thought that the story was pretty well told. It's not slow burn. It's not. Because the style is different. But if you got your uh, dose of history from Slow Burn in a way that you enjoyed. I think you might also like Bagman. I think it's worth checking out. Just be prepared to turn your volume up and down a lot because the levels okay. are all over the place. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to give it an... It's why it's not the best podcast of the year. It's, it's NBC. Somebody could figure out how to balance the volume. <laughs> one thing's like this, and one thing's like this, and it was like, what yeah. the hell? That is the one flaw of it. I just, yeah. That made me crazy. But yeah, it's pretty good. All right, Toby, what else do you have on your list? So there's a podcast from... Rebecca's buddies at Slate called Dakota Ring. Mm. And I listened to one episode called the Incunabula Papers. By the late 80s, they had developed a device called the egg to explore something called cognitive chaos. It was a kind of modified sensory deprivation chamber. They were hoping it would help them experience the point at which a wave becomes a particle. But during a test of the egg, with a young man inside of it, the whole thing just disappeared. Seven minutes later, it came back. And the young man, who was still inside, still alive, told them what had happened. He had dived down to the quantum level and followed a wave all the way into an alternate dimension, into another version of Earth. 
And I'm kind of a sucker for these, like, it, it's kind of a hoax, but it's sort of a one of those things where the internet kind of takes hold of it and it just grows and grows into like more of a thing and, and actually, you know, manifests itself like in reality in some ways. It's a very interesting story. It was well told. I plan to listen to more of Dakota Ring, but that's the only episode I've listened to. But I, I recommend it highly. It reminded me a little bit of that weird podcast about a year ago about the video game machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Polybius Conspiracy. That's right. Yes. It's reminiscent of that. That podcast, Dakota Ring, is produced and sometimes features my very good friend, Benjamin Frisch, who is a producer at Slate and, by the way, did the artwork for Crime Writers On, our new revamped Ooh. artwork. Oh, yes. everything comes around. It's everything. It's the Crime Writers On conspiracy. Laura, what else do you have on your list? I have another. So I'm all about, like, I think I'm in my year end, like, I want to be entertained. Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. You do this often? Kidnapping people off the street and interrogate them. You're my first one, actually. How am I doing? Super fun thing to binge watch based on a Tom Clancy character. It's like a, you know, thriller, kind of like reminds me of like all the Jason Bourne type movies. Um, it's it's very fast paced. It's a really interesting story. And there's lots of what you would call like location porn of all different places um, that he's jetting around to. He's portrayed by John Krasinski. You know what? It's I think it's eight episodes. It's something that, you know, you can watch and everybody in the family that maybe isn't as obsessed with your true crime watching as you are, um, they will also <laughs> probably enjoy this because uh, Fireman Ken also watched this with me and also did enjoy it. How do you feel about Swole Jim from The Office? That's what I want to know. Because he's yeah. huge now. Did I tell you? I don't think I ever watched The Office, Rebecca. Oh. <laughs> okay. Are you serious? <laughs> so yeah. The I'm Office like, is hilarious. <laughs> it's one of the best comedies of all time, but don't go back now. <laughs> it doesn't hold up. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it won't hold. He doesn't hold up. <laughs> I did just start watching The Big Bang Theory, which completely freaked out my son. He's like, uh, why are you watching that? I'm like, I don't know. It's on reruns now. <laughs> How do you not watch it? It's always on. It's <laughs> on 100% of the time. All the time. It's like Law & Order. <laughs> well, speaking of Law & Order, my dark horse pick for this list is this season of Law & Order SVU, which is freaking bananas and awful and terrible. The government ripped this little girl out of her mother's arms. Somebody somewhere needs to stop this. Uh, Law and Order SVU is the best terrible show on TV, the longest lasting terrible show on TV. I love it with all of my heart. Everyone in my family enjoys watching it together. And this season of Law and Order SVU, perhaps you dropped out of SVU for a while, perhaps you're an occasional watcher. I cannot recommend enough if you have any affiliation with this franchise and just want to watch some bananas-ass, escapist, crazy, crazy, nonsensical television. Check out this season of Law & Order SVU. It is season 20, and it is topping itself for Bananas Bananasville. Right, Kevin? Uh, yes. <laughs> Not to mess with my brand. We've been thinking about just canceling the rest of the uh, These Are Their Stories Law & Order podcast and only reviewing this season now because it is so bananas. Well, we are reviewing uh, next week. We'll have our, our next episode out with Lonnie Diane Rich where we are looking at an episode from this season. That's right. Mia Culpa, 
the uh, the Brett Kavanaugh. The one. Brett Kavanaugh episode. Yeah. Yes, the most poorly done version that could possibly be done of that story. But he knows in his bones, in his heart. He knows in his, his soul, bones. He couldn't have done it. He couldn't have been a rapist. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I do want to ask you guys what you think the best podcast or podcast episode was of the year. But first, I know we all brought more than three items with us to this list. So I'm just going to go around the horn. Kevin, I just, can you read the rest of the items on your list? And we'll make sure to include them on our website so everyone can see all of our picks. Oh, well, I got a big scratch through uh, the marvelous Ms. Maisel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this isn't from this year, but I was just going to say what I'm reading and really enjoying is uh, I, I prefer, instead of reading bestsellers, I like going back to classics and more period pieces. I read my first Raymond Chandler book, and it was The Big Sleep. Mm. And now I'm reading all the Raymond Chandler, Philip Marlowe books. But The Big Sleep is fantastic. The writing is just incredible. And I so that's what I would say. If you're looking for you know an OG detective uh, book, try that one. All right, Toby, what are the rest of the items on your list that I didn't give you a chance to expand upon? TV series Babylon Berlin, mm-hmm. which uh, takes place in Weimar, Germany. Uh, I didn't watch the whole thing. I'm not sure why, but the first four or five episodes were <laughs> awesome. And if I had more time or didn't sleep or something, I'd watch the rest of it. Second is A Legacy of Spies by John le Carré. The sort of 70s John le Carré spy novels are like among my favorite books. And then his more recent ones, I don't think have been that good. But this one sort of returns to the quality of his older stuff. And finally, a movie called The Witch, which is actually a couple years old, I think. It's a creepy movie about a family uh, that gets kind of kicked out of like an early, you know, 1600s New England town and sort of has to move off on their own and like the creepy stuff that happens to them. Hmm. So. Sounds like it's too scary for me. All right, Laura Bricker, what are the other items on your list? So one of the podcasts I listened to this fall that I will say um, is a little bit cheesy, but it's an interesting listen, uh, Fatal Voyage. We, we didn't talk about Fatal Voyage, did we? We did not. We talked about okay. not talking about uh, Fatal Voyage, <laughs> uh, the Natalie Wood story the, and, and her disappearance out at sea. You know, that's an interesting listen. Um, a recommendation that I have not gotten to from our friend, Pastor Emily, jolted from Vermont Public Radio mm-hmm. about a school shooting that wasn't. And I've heard a lot of good feedback on that. And coming up in 2019, I was so bummed out because I saw this promote on social media. I thought this meant the book was coming out in time for Christmas, but unfortunately not until spring. Catherine Howe, who writes some really interesting um, historical uh, fiction mystery set in like the Salem Mass area, is coming out with a sequel to the first book of hers that I read that I really liked called The Physic Book of Deliverance Dane. Um, she has a sequel coming out in the spring. So in the new year, that is on my list as soon as it is available. So other things I didn't get to on my list, another book pick that I actually read and didn't listen to, that's Tom Bowman's Dry Bones in the Valley. It's about toxic fracking, a traumatized small town cop, a lot of poverty, and also toxic masculinity. It is a very good book, and it is a very masculine book written in such a way that you don't have to be a man to enjoy it. And I always love a book like that. I also wanted to do another slight nod to the very fun British crime series, Scott and Bailey, which Laura Bricker Uh. got me into. It's not deep. It's just fun, and it's kind of for the ladies. I loved it. The Faroe Island series by author Chris Ould. Listen to them on audiobook. They're truly excellent. And then finally, I really want to recommend to our listeners, especially if you have watched and liked Queer Eye for the Straight Guy on Netflix, 
Run, Don't Walk, and listen to Jonathan Van Ness's excellent podcast called Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. And if you want an episode to start with, because there are lots of them, I recommend starting with How Do You Apply Ethics to Everyday Life, in which he talks to an ethicist and learns what ethics are. And he's just a very fun interviewer. He does it in only the way that Jonathan Van Ness can. It's very joyful. And I learn a lot every time I listen to that show. All right. Well, let's do it, shall we? I would like to go around the horn and give you a chance to tell me what you think is the best podcast of the year. And it's okay if you want to name a runner-up or two. It's very hard to pick. Lara Bricker, I'm going to start with you. So this is no surprise um, because this is what launched many things in my life. This year, In the Dark was absolutely, I think, the best podcast of the year. I think it might have been the best podcast we've listened to in terms of true crime podcasts that are actually resulting in some change in cases with wrongful convictions. So In the Dark is just like heads and tails above everything. Um, But I'm going to say Bear Brook was my second favorite podcast of the year. And so much so that Fireman Ken got sick of listening to me talk about it and has actually finished the entire (laughs) podcast. So much so that we are all getting our DNA tests for Christmas this year. Nice. Even though the podcast is a cautionary tale. It was a cautionary tale. So I will tell you, I will report back on what I am. Can't wait to hear how much Neanderthal you are. Uh, Laura, I will tell you, you know, I'm I'm not really able to add Bear Brook to my list because I'm on the team that made the podcast. But I will give you a tip, which is that there is more to come soon. Do not unsubscribe from that podcast. Trust me. Just trust me. Well, let's just hope when I get my DNA results, maybe I'm connected to the case. Oh, God. (laughs) Ooh, this could be so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Toby, what about you? What what is your pick for best podcast of the year? So I'll start by saying I'm saving Bear Brook for when I have to do a bunch of driving. So (laughs) I don't have anything to say about that. I I thought this year was the best year in podcasting, at Mm. least as far as the stuff that we've covered. Missing and Murdered, Slow Burn, Caliphate, Bundyville, West Cork, Bikram, and Believed were all excellent podcasts that I think in any other year would be strong contenders. But this year, I I just think In the Dark was, it was the next step in the evolution, Mm. I think. So I, I think that was a clear best podcast. Yeah, no, I agree with you. In the Dark Season 2, hands down. It's on the top of every list. And the list that it's not on top of, that list maker is just lying or just trying to be cool and like not liking the thing that everybody else likes. In the Dark Season 2, I think, is the undisputed best podcast of the year. Um, I also would add that to my list. I also said the podcast we reviewed last week, Surviving Y2K, I just loved it. It made me feel so, so joyful. And I think that feeling is so rare. And my second runner up is also Slow Burn by the great Leon Nafok, formerly of Slate, the greatest history slash true crime podcast narrative I've ever heard. And I don't know how anybody will ever match it with an historical story podcast again. And of course, Bear Brook would be on my list if I could put it there. What about you, Kevin? Well, I, I have basically all the same podcasts that you guys had. I also had The Pope's Long Con and Gladiator, mm. which I didn't hear, but yeah, In yep. the Dark, and, and Serial. But I also think that, uh, you know, In the Dark, obviously, just heads and shoulders ab- above the rest. I will say, Rebecca, when you handed out this assignment, you did not say best true crime podcast. That's okay. So I have one which is not as good as all of these, but as far as in the non-true crime area, something we haven't talked about, yeah. my favorite is More Perfect, mm. which is from Radiolab. They do a uh, side podcast, which is all about the Supreme Court and constitutional law and things like that. And uh, for season three, they did 
what's called the Most Perfect Album. Hmm. They looked at all 27 amendments to the Constitution. They asked musicians of all genres to write a song about a different amendment. And they have little liner notes about different things about these amendments. And it's really interesting and fun. Do you know what the Third Amendment is? I'm going to let you tell me. It's, it's the one about uh, not allowing... Quartering uh, soldiers. Oh, yeah. Quartering, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's one of the only amendments that has never been argued at the Supreme Court. Hmm. Apparently nobody has a problem with that anymore. <laughs> that was a big deal at the time. <laughs> but after we won the Revolutionary War, it was like, no, I guess we're not just going to put soldiers in your house. Yeah. Do you know what the 29th Amendment was? Repealing Prohibition? No, no that's the right to have dress pant yoga pants <laughs> from Beta Brand. <laughs> Support for today's show comes from Beta Brand Dress Pant Yoga Pants. Rebecca, you were, uh, we had this accident the other day. Yes. We were in the emergency room. Yes. Your foot was all swollen. Yes. Broken leg. Yes. They need to get to it. They cut off my pants. Thank God I was not wearing my dress pant yoga pants. I was going to say, they were just Close call. They were just crappy yoga pants. They were not your pair of dress pant yoga pants. I will tell you though, I believe, I do believe, I have not tested it yet, that my dress pant yoga pants might be a pair of dress pants I could actually wear. Slide over, over your whole... cast? Yeah, because they're comfortable and stretchy, and they would actually make me feel like a human being, like I'm wearing sweatpants. You'd look on fleek. I would. With your dress pant yoga pants. And my wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, these are uh, pants that uh, you can wear to work, you could be casual, go out to dinner in them, and you know they just uh, feel great. They have the faux zipper and pockets front pocket, belt loops, so you look sharp. They also come in boot cut, straight leg, crop, leggings, and a variety of different colors. They feel comfortable. They look really good. It's like wearing your yoga, yoga pants. pants to work. Yeah, you know, it's- that's why they're called dress pant yoga pants. Oh, is that why they call them dress pant yoga yes, pants? Yes, and by the way, many of our listeners have been uh, putting on our Facebook group and on Twitter who have purchased dress pant yoga pants, how much they love them, asking each other questions about them, how does the sizing run. Like, people love these dress pant yoga pants. So visit betabrand.com and use our code CRIME, CRIME. to get 20% off yours. Millions of women agree that these are the most comfortable pants that you'll ever wear to work. That's betabrand.com. B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D dot com. And use our code CRIME, CRIME to get 20% off your dress pant yoga pants. Dress pant yoga pants. What else you got, Kevin? Well, the average American blasts their eyes with bright screens for 11 hours a day. And you can't stop looking at those screens, but you can protect your eyes with a pair of Felix Grey glasses mm. that are available with or without a prescription. Now, these glasses filter out about 90% of the high-energy blue light and eliminate the glare coming off of all those screens, the big ones, the little ones, the laptop ones, the foldy ones. Felix Square glasses aren't like those weird computer glasses that you've seen before. There's no yellow lens tint. And they're handcrafted from premium Italian acetate, so they look stylish. Mm. And they're available in non-prescription prescriptions and readers. Plus, you get free shipping and free returns with nothing else to lose. What am I wearing right now? Felix Grey glasses. That's right. I'm just gonna do, I don't know if you can hear that on my nose. How protected do your eyes uh, yeah, feel from the exact, screen there? Uh, do this. Yes. There you go. That's the lens. It's yes. fantastic. Trust me, that was his glasses and not his finger on the microphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't go another day looking at screens without some help. From Felix Grey's, go to felixgrayglasses.com slash crime Cry. to protect your peepers today. That's felixgrayglasses.com slash crime. Crime. FelixGreyGlasses.com slash crime. Crime. Protect those peepers. <laughs>
My peepers is protected. I love that ad copy. Peeping peckers of peeping New Hampshire. Oh, my goodness. That was a story that didn't happen this week. That's right. Yeah, right. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the the week. week. The parents of students at St. James Catholic School outside of Los Angeles always had two questions. Why was there never enough money to fund needed projects? And why were two nuns always going on trips to Las Vegas? <laughs> Both mysteries were solved when an audit revealed Sister Mary Margaret and Sister Lana skimmed hundreds of thousands of dollars in tuition money over the past decade. These twisted sisters then used that cash to gamble in Sin City. The nuns took a vow of poverty but claimed there was a rich uncle who was bankrolling their bad habit. <laughs> They've asked for forgiveness and are promising to pay the money back, which is exactly what every gambler says when a bookie calls in their debt. <laughs> so here's my question for you, panel. Laura Bricker, what else were these holy rollers up to when they took their trips to Vegas? I'm going to say they were doing some body shots with Wayne Newton, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, they got in the communal wine or something. <laughs> Joey Ball, what do you think these holy rollers got into in one of their many trips to Vegas? I had a habit joke I was going to make. <laughs> oh. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know about crimes, Rebecca, but I bet you they got into some bad habits. <laughs> but, <laughs> It didn't go over so well. Do you still want to tell that joke? <laughs> I think he just did. It's, it's did he? Too I late. couldn't tell, yeah. There's nothing funnier than a joke where you tell the person what the joke is going to be <laughs> That's right. before yeah. you tell the joke. Yeah. I'm going to hit these sisters made the same mistake we made when we once went to Vegas. What's that? Which was to get caught up in a game of Casino War. Oh, yes. What a <laughs> shitty, shitty game. table game that is. <laughs> Seven, War? five, you win. <laughs> yeah, seriously? It's seriously, yes. You put money down. It's like blackjack for people who can't add. <laughs> One card each. High card wins. All right. I'll seriously? Ch- seriously. Casino War. Casino War. At Tropicana. It was an unfortunate 10 minutes of our life. <laughs> How do you bet on that? It's just. You just sit down. You just think. Place All right, a bet. You place a bet. And you're hoping that your card is going to be higher than the dealer's card. And you know Is what there ha- another one where he just flips a coin and you call it? And- <laughs> there probably is. And you, you know, like when you both get the same card, like so yeah. then they like took out like three Double extra down. cards, you know, tick, 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 and then you flip. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, the same it's very thing exciting. happens. Yeah, it's very exciting. Oh, it's a tie. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, what else do you think these nuns got up to when they were in Las Vegas? Well, after they danced on the bar at Coyote Ugly, <laughs> uh, I think they uh, jumped in the fountain at the Bellagio and mm. turned it all into holy water. Ooh, that would be a nice Ooh, change. That's interesting. Yeah. What's your favorite fountain song at the Bellagio, Kevin? Luck. Be a lady tonight. It's the only good one. It's the best (laughs) one. It's the best one. But how about the beef? It's what's for dinner. That's not that. that, That's rodeo. That's not beef. What's for dinner? That's how I know it. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Laura Bricker. Before we sign off for the week, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do. This one is so fun for me. Um, Pete Gifford tweeted this to me, and I love it. He says, my family usually meets at my son's small farm for Thanksgiving. I had to leave early to get home from meeting, so I packed my car quickly. When I got home after a five-hour drive... There was Belle, their barn cat, in the back seat. Oh. She is loving being warm and inside. And I said, oh, so given the five-hour drive, are you going to keep her? He said, no. His granddaughters miss her terribly, and his cat, Millie, is not a fan of Belle the interloper. Wow. Uh. (laughs) 
<laughs> but she does look very comfortable. I, I just love it. So I guess this means Pete's going to see his son for Christmas. I guess so. so. <laughs> it's a hey, Christmas miracle. Pete's son, let your freaking cat inside once in a while. Shall yeah. How about that? <laughs> All right, Laura Bricker. People want to reach out to you and submit their dogs or cats or iguanas or other sundry pets for cat slash pet of the week. How can they find you online? At Laura Bricker. And Joey Ball, people want to reach out to you and get more of your erudite pop culture picks. How can they find you on Twitter? I'm always at Toby Ball and H. And Kevin Flint, people want to reach out to you and give you tips for doing all of the things I always do around the house because I can no longer do them. How can they find you on Twitter? At Kevin P. Flint. And if you want to follow me on Twitter and ask me the address to which you should send that care package, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. You can also follow me there on Instagram. And I encourage you to join the amazing community in our official Crime Writers on Facebook discussion group. Go to our website, sign up for our newsletter, and support the show on patreon.com slash partners in crime media, and you will get access to Toby Ball's Deep Dive book club podcast and Laura Bricker's Rage Walking True Crime Fitness Fun Group. I hope you let me stay in the group, Laura, even though I can no longer rage walk. It's okay, Rebecca. There's a lot of people who have injuries right now. (laughs) (laughs) You can also get a free month of Stitcher Premium if you go to stitcherpremium.com slash crime and get the code crime. When you join, you'll get access to Kevin's other show that he records with me called Married with Podcast. Our theme song was performed with the New York Scott Jazz Ensemble and used with permission. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our basement where I'm keeping my crutches, wheelchair, knee scooter, and hospital-grade painkillers. Oh, yeah. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you Later. later. We can do some carols. Carols. Oh, download the show. show. Download the show. Leave a review. Tell all your friends. Speaking of carols, oh my God, did you see the cat rapper with no. his new cat rapper video? No. <laughs> I am Mosho. Do you know this guy? Do you follow him? He's like my favorite. No. Lara, do you think you could pay us to follow this guy? Like, none of us want to follow this yeah. guy. Jingle Cats. He has a new song oh, with his, fuck no. my favorite cat, <laughs> DJ Ravioli. And DJ Ravioli has a nice little hat on in the video. Oh, hell no. The cat rapper has on these, like, really badass glasses that sort of, are, I don't know, futuristic kind badass of Badass cat glasses do not exist. Lara Bricker, you <laughs> are a professional woman that people hire to do private detectiving for them. I don't even know who you are anymore. I don't even know who you are. I mean, this morning I was dancing to the Frosty Bounce in my pound class. Have you heard that song? Nope. The Frosty Bounce. It's like bounce, cheeky bounce, cheeky bounce, bounce, Frosty, and then it goes bong, bong, ba-dong, dong. Sounds like Teletubby porn. Having to commit to a piece without trying it on first can make online shopping tricky. Thankfully, Latote makes sure that you get the right styles and the right sizes delivered. Then, when you're done, just send them back. With Latote, you can rent unlimited fashion. Just wear, return, and discover fashion that fits you better. It'll take the stress out of getting dressed. Go to Latote.com. That's L-E-T-O-T-E.com to get started. And enter promo code CWO at checkout to get 20% off your first month. Again, that's Latote.com. Enter the code CWO.